Hello, welcome to another Azure Centric podcast on our weekly update shows with me, Marcos Nogueira, and with our good friend, Andrew Lowe's. So, Andrew, hello, how are you doing today? <laughs> I'm fantastic. How are you? Doing? I'm fantastic, man. What a week that we had Ooh, in Azure. It's a doozy. It's a doozy. So yeah, yeah. it was the magical week in March where uh, all of the, the Microsoft nerds come together uh, and Ignite happens. Exactly. Uh, so uh, this is our regular weekly news update, but it's a little bit of mixed content. So uh, today we had to do... Um, what did we call it the last time we had to do this? We had to do quite a big cut. And uh, how many did you start with? You said like 70 something? No, uh, we had 92. No, 89. Ni it was 89. 89? I think it was 92 yeah, 80, in this 89. case. But yeah. Oh, it might have been 92. You know what? Yeah. Too many to talk about in one shot. Yeah, it, sure. it was a very special week. Okay. And, and for you that you are listening, and it's new to the to to the show. Uh, first of all, thank you for for uh, appearing on the show, uh, or in this case, to listen to the show and give you the support. Don't forget to subscribe before I forget to to doing all of those things. Giving the thumbs up uh, or thumbs down, depending if you like or not. But uh, we like to receive feedback, even if it's if it's good or bad. I hope that is good, good that you, that you like it. Let us know. If Absolutely. you are one of our followers, thank you as well for listening to the podcast. Yes, as as the now that we have the introductions go, we can talk about a little <laughs> bit more what happened this week. So Ignite happened. Ignite used to be once a year. Okay. We had last time we had about six months ago uh, an Ignite. Um, that happened as well. It was in not mistaken in September, right? Something like that, September time frame? Yeah, that sounds right. I think it was end of September 2020, and now we had beginning of March, March 2021. One. Exactly. It's still a, yeah. it, it uh, was still an online event. Ignite it was? was used to be before this pandemic um, uh, on presence. Amazing. It was a full week. In this case, was three days. So it was from the March 2nd to March 4th. And hence the reason that we have 19.2 updates this week. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we had to do like three or four uh, passing, <laughs> let's call it this way, <laughs> on the list of Whoa, updates. Four. I thought we only cut two. <laughs> uh, yeah, kind of, uh, kind of. Not, not that. <laughs> but this is not, yeah. this is not the, the show that we talk about what's called the book of news. Uh, we have a special show that is going to be after this show that we are recording. Um, that is talk, we're talking about Ignite as an event, our own opinions on what was the most important updates. Uh, probably you will cover over here uh, or not. We caught a lot of those things. Um, we just came to really what was our... Um, what we working, not what is our interests. Let's be honest with that. Uh, I leave that to the book of news. That is our interest, how we saw it. There was a challenges, but I will leave 
that to the book of news. So don't forget to 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 see that that podcast in this case or that show. Uh, that is really it was really good. Good surprises over there, and we have a lot of good times that we spent three days watching. Uh, it was three days that I had very few sleep. I have to say because I was working and then I was watching. I still have a lot of sessions to see it, um, but mm -hmm. it was a very good content uh, with very personalized things. But we have a very big podcast today. I think we have we beat the record. Although we are we are doing this a little bit different because this episode specific, uh, we are kind of going on the same way that we went. Uh, the other episodes on in this case was related to the time frame that they released those updates but as you can imagine doing the since March 2nd until in this case the March 4th that when was ending the, the Ignite we have a lot of updates on the same day so we decided to group them by kind of topic uh, and here are the topics that we work together um, or not in this case that we work on the field like every single day that we want to cover so I highly recommend you to to see it the book of news without further ado let's jump into the first one backups the first topic is backups one of the crucial in this case uh, services that every single one of us are working together we have to do it and they announce the the or during during uh, the ignite the backup reports it's now general available it's, it's coming ga and that is very good news right andrew absolutely yeah so there is an awful lot of uh stuff going on and uh especially you know because of uh, ignite everything's been focused a little bit uh, a little bit faster, I think, in cadence, right, for release. So uh, around the area of backups, um, reports is a big one. Um, as you know, uh, we need to keep track of reports and being able to uh, look for the at-a-glance reporting visually is important so that we can save time. Um, it's a big step forward. Uh, it was in preview, uh, I want to say, not very long. No, um, I know I lose track of time on these things all the time, but I, I, I swear, I think it was like two weeks or something only. So um, I think it's, uh, it's been pushed out. And uh, I know uh, I did see uh, some of it in preview and it looked really good. Uh, so as long as it's the same, um, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be really good. It's very reminiscent of another product uh, that uses um, online backup methods. <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting you to go on that at that and that Absolutely. and that just just for you that you are listening and seeing this is not at all arranged okay it's it's not at all arranged but I was expecting that 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 he was mentioning that yes completely what I like about this that became available is now you have the possibility of seeing and the auditing, the backup and restore, and viewing the policy that is attached uh, to that information on each backup instances. Uh, and that is something that it really 
uh, it's really important for us, especially the part of Becca, because I don't know if you remember a few years ago when we started about this, when talking about backup strategy, the best backup strategy, okay, um, is to restore the the most amount of data in the last time frame. There is no other backup strategy better than that. And that is always the goal, okay, um, that we want to try to achieve. But the only one, the only option that we can do it to test a backup is to restore it. We can have the, the most impressive tools that we can have in auditing, in verifying the backup, in verifying all of that. But there is a guy that I would love to meet him personally in a corner, that is Mr. Murphy, that when he appears, and he always <laughs> appears on, on, on the very uh, awkward times, right? Yeah, uh, it's always the middle of the night or a holiday or a Saturday or afternoon. Or when you need to restart a backup. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> Mr. Murphy here. Yeah, you're right. So, yeah. So, you know, uh, there's definitely a kind of the common saying amongst admins and that's your backup is only as good as your last restore. Exactly. And, uh, it's absolutely 100% true. Um uh, if uh, if you've ever been part of uh, an emergency or uh, like a DR operation of any kind, then you are going to understand the value of those backups really, really well. And you will preach the same way that we do uh, because we've all been uh, through that here on this podcast. And I say all of us, there's only two of us. But <laughs> now we have, we have a, quite a few followers right now, um, but yeah. Yeah, it's it's really cool. So um, I think it's you know it's a good chance to get out the good word about backups, right? Absolutely. So um, test your restores. Backups are great. Reporting is fantastic. It's nice when everything is green across the board, and uh, everything is running the way it should. Uh, but it's also very important to validate those with a test restore. Yeah. Boot up the server. Access the data that you restored. Make sure it works the way you think it should and actually test it, uh, make a checklist. You know me, I'm a big fan of checklists, right? So absolutely. Uh, <laughs> if you've ever worked with me, that's an understatement, I know. But, uh, <laughs> but it works though. So uh, it makes it repeatable, right? And if we run, uh, run a, a, a predefined set of tasks in a checklist, for doing our validations, then we can make sure that we're being consistent and testing for the same things all the time. And uh, that's a good thing. Yeah. So uh, my good friend, Mr. Noguera, what is, uh, what's our next uh, bun? Ah, yeah, the Azure backup for Sapana, uh, incremental backup is now GA. Yeah. So this is really cool. Lots of GA releases, right? So we did do a bit of organization and we'll, we'll probably cover that in a few moments. But um, for Sapiana, this is really good. Uh, it was actually just full backups available uh, except for in preview. So now we can do incrementals. That's a big deal. A lot of Sapiana databases are humongous, terabytes and terabytes yeah. in size. And it's not not... Long time ago, I, th I was double checked that on 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 the logs, uh, but like I think it was two or three episodes ago, 
that mm -hmm. this backup was at a soft limit increase from two terabytes to eight terabytes. Uh, and yeah. it was not long time ago as well that they had uh, this in preview that now because, because it's Ignite, it was, it was coming into, um, into GA in this case. But it's always good to have because now you have almost the mantra of the zero infrastructure backups uh, in this case um, for SAP uh, ANA. That is usually one of the criticals uh, that you have for the SAP workloads, right? Absolutely, yeah. So, um, you know, we have to think that we're going to be deploying using uh, infrastructure as code or at least uh, semi uh, using some templates or something like that, right? So uh, it's pretty fast to build a VM these days in Azure. Uh, it's minutes. Um, and that's on the outside edge if we're building a big one. Usually it can... I think about 90 seconds was the fastest one I've done lately. It was a, uh, uh, I can't remember the build, but it was a Linux flavor. And I think it was about 90 seconds and it was just up and running, just boom. So um, yeah, so we could deploy that infrastructure and then we restore the data into that. Yeah. And uh, that's typically the idea. Don't back up your infrastructure, back up your data, right? Uh, back up your configurations code your configuration so it's repeatable and fast. Yeah. Another GA, it was Backup Center. This was one of the nice features that I saw the, the session. Uh, and I highly recommend about that. It's, it's very cool. And it, it was one of them that I was expecting. I already know that, that to be very honest, I, I have to, to confess that they were doing that because of the previous or the previous week, the MVP calls for us to to let us know this, and that was coming in GA, and it's really cool. Uh, the the way that they doing this uh, backup center now, it's it's massively different. It's yeah, I have not had a chance to explore the new backup center. Yeah. Um, but I am really looking forward to it. Uh, a lot of big changes all in GA so far uh, for backups, really good stuff. Yeah. And uh, I think, yeah, it's going to make it a lot easier, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Uh, and that's the, uh, that's what we want. We want it easier because it's more efficient. What I like about this is on a single, uh, single entry point on a single pane of glass, you can monitoring, operate, governance in this case, and optimize your data protection, your backups. And that's where you, you want to. And, and we are trying to see a lot of that because there is a lot of integration uh, with Azure Backup with a lot of those services. So for example, when you're building a VM, for example, there is an option there that uh, you can automatically, after you create the VM, add to a backup. Uh, so when you're starting to see a lot of that, when you create other resources as well, you have that option as well. So now it shifts a little bit, and this is the, the interesting part, because it shifts a little bit what you should uh, deploy first on your Azure tenants. Of course, that the first thing that you're doing after you're doing the, the creator subscription is to create your VNets, right? Usually that is the first thing that you do. But now backup, becomes one of the top ones to configure it. 
it's no longer the last one or one of the ends points. It becomes one of the tops, right? You know what I do before I do VNets is Azure policy. That's an interesting point as well. Yeah, uh, I see. I see the value of that. Yeah. Off to, off topic as usual for me. Compl but. Completely. That's okay. <laughs> That's what we like about this podcast. It's we are we are trying to be organized, but we are we are uh, unorganized organized geeks. I don't know if Absolutely. that, that yeah. makes we sense. We have a little bit of but... <laughs> uh, attention deficit disorder, I think, on some time. A little bit? <laughs> That's another understatement. <laughs> hey, it's, it's the end of the week. It's been a, a very long and busy week, but a good week. Okay. Uh, but, uh, you know, we have to stay positive. So, yes, a little bit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about now previews on Azure Backup, Operation Backup for Azure Blob, is now in public preview. So very cool that now we can do an operational backup on some of those storage accounts, especially on Azure Blobs. Okay. Mm -hmm. So yeah, this is a really good improvement, right? It's going to make uh, backups again, uh, incrementally another step easier. And uh, being able to do the operational backup on Azure Blob uh, is a really good step forwards. I think I'm looking forward to this one hitting GA, to be honest with yeah. you. Because, again, we didn't mention this because it's the first one that is public preview. Again, test these on your test environment. Please, especially on backups, don't use these in production. Oh, uh, because, yes. yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's a, that's a bad thing. It's, yeah. it's a bad so, thing. So, uh, one of, uh, as you know, one of my clients right now, very enamored with a lot of uh, special preview features. And... It's difficult because anytime we put something out in test that is in your prod environment, such as something in preview, uh, there is a risk that, uh, you know, maybe something happens, it doesn't work the way we thought it was, or we find a bug uh, because it's in preview. And that's what the testing is for, right? Yeah. We, uh, we count very heavily on Microsoft to do a lot of the testing in the back end. But let's be honest, uh, nobody can account for every possible scenario when it comes to configurations and products and all of these different things coming together. And that's why testing in a test environment uh, or your non-prod is really, really important. Uh, I know we say this every week, but every week we still hear stories. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, it is important. It's it's tempting. It's the apple in the Garden of Eden. It's a temptation to put a product service that looks really, really sweet. And we just want a little taste, a one little bite. We promise we'll be good. Just one little bite, please. Yeah. And then kaboom. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Another another good another good improvement on Azure backups is the Azure Monitor Alerts uh, mm. that becomes preview for Azure backups. Uh, so and this is interesting because when I I, I read uh, the book of news and I saw these these updates say, but wait a minute, uh, Azure Monitor Alerts is in preview, and then I think but. Let me remind me how I was monitoring if the backup was or not successful or did or not. And I was trying to remember hard 
And then I was looking into my documentation and it's true. The only way to were able to, to see that if you enter on the recovery vault to see if it was successful or not. Interesting that no one at my customers or even me think about that was one of the fixtures that was missing in all of this is the monitoring it's a big one. to see if the backup was or not successful or if he, if he was completely successful or not. So good things. Yeah. So, well, the way a lot of uh, customers have gotten around this, uh, and I know because I was one of them, is you have to use a third-party product yeah. or implement uh, some custom code, uh, which in my case is what I did for my own tenant um, to alert me to an unsuccessful backup. See, I don't care when it's successful. I only need to know when it's broken so that I can go and fix it. Exactly. Um, so the, uh, a lot of, a lot of companies are still very, uh, I don't know what the right word is here enamored. They want to see all of the alerts for all of the successful backups, the successful things. Uh, think about your network equipment. Do you really want a ping test that runs every five milliseconds to come back and tell you that oh, it was successful? Only on those moments that I feel lonely. <laughs> <laughs> we'll feel lonely no more. We'll hook you up with a free Blackberry and we'll get <laughs> I think I think last week I picked on old Nokia phones. This week I pick on Blackberry. <laughs> It's an improvement in the few weeks we are reaching like life on tree, something like that, right? Uh, maybe, I don't know. That sounds kind of modern. Yeah, <laughs> too modern for us, right? But yeah, so yeah, be careful of, uh, you know, what at least I call alert fatigue. Yes. Um, because if you have so many alerts, the one that you really need to see where something is actually broken uh, can slip through the cracks especially if you're using mail sorting rules and stuff like that. Absolutely. So, but what I yeah. like about this is that it's not only monitoring alerts that will become on backup. It's now that you can attach this. That's the part that I like the part the, 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 that they are doing this. You can attach this to, um, to ITSM, uh, right? Uh, so ITSM solution, solution managers, like for example, uh, I don't want to call names. ServiceNow. ServiceNow, exactly. Thank you. It's a big one. Every, a lot yeah. of big companies and are it's, using it. And even on-prem, uh, for example, SCOM or something like that or Service Manager, so that that, that can open a ticket or, or an incident or whatever it is that exactly. is someone wants to see it. Uh, it's, it it's, a, it's a good part that I like that they are doing this probably a little bit late, but they are achieving that. But... Yep, they are achieving with a better with a better way to do it, and that and that's a part. Yeah, that I like. and I th I think it aligns really well with the big advance in uh, the backup kind of set yeah. single pane that we were talking. Well, you were talking about, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and uh, uh, enabling the alerting for this uh, really just part of the overall backup solution, and it's going to make it much more usable for businesses, uh, which is good because the more Azure native things that we can use. Yeah the less dependency we have outside of the Azure cloud. And that's important Absolutely. because we can make things redundant and scalable inside Azure. Absolutely. Another and the last update for the Azure Backup kind of topic is this limited preview for Azure Backup 
that now supports archive tier for backups of Azure Virtual Machines and SQL servers in Azure VM. So now we have that archive tier. So uh, those organizations that they really need to hold those backups for a lot of years, uh, they don't need to go outside to just being creative of grabbing that backup and starting that backup on a different tier. So now we have the archive tier that you can archive that for a long period of time, uh, which is good. Uh, the part that I like about this, this one uh, is the part that you can still use our good friend of ours, Azure PowerShell. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's really important uh, because the more we can automate, the less we have to do. Exactly. Um, and it frees up our mind to think about more complex problems and yeah. solving new business problems. Exactly. And, and the part of, and it's not only that, it is a part of moving from the standard tier to the new archive tier. Mm -hmm. It will reduce the costs. Absolutely. And that's a really good point, right? So I know in Canada, um, which is where, you know, our general focus is really, um, you know, if you're a regular business, you have a seven-year retention on uh, legal documents for your business. If you have a government contract, it's a minimum of 10 years. And you may have longer if you have uh, other types of specific requirements, especially within government segments, such as uh, Defense Department here in Canada. You could have up to 25-year retention requirement. So very important to scale and design your storage tiers appropriately. Uh, taking uh, the cost and uh, the volume of data as well uh, into account. Because um, certainly over a, a five or a 10 year uh, government contract, you can definitely amass one or two memos in there. So uh, it's a good thing to have archived here. Absolutely. Changing a little bit of topics and now talking about security, uh, our, mm -hmm. our one of the favorite, favorite fixtures Azure Security Center and becomes with the GA, in this case, general availability updates for February 2021. So a, a couple of handful of updates. Um, as we can imagine with this long podcast, we don't have the time um, to, to be respectful for you that you are seeing and viewing. Uh, we don't have the time to go over all of them, but I just want to cover one that is direct to my heart, that is the Kubernetes part. Um, that is the Kubernetes workload protection. It's now coming on the recommendations uh, release for GA. So, and this is the part that I like about that because Kubernetes is, is one of the things that I've been working um, lately a lot, uh, that I had the opportunity to, to work on a big project. And now I, I'm working kind of almost every single day. Um, and the thing that I found is it's very easy to implement Kubernetes right now. A lot of good guys, uh, the community is been growing, is been uh, maturing in this case, and deploying Kubernetes is so easy. Uh, it really is so easy right now. But the problem is after that, as you probably see on this on this show that I mentioned a few times, is the managing of Kubernetes that is the challenging. Um, and unfortunately, it didn't find a spot on this uh, on this podcast, <laughs> the Kubernetes. It's interesting. So that's a, that's a good kind of a side point. Is uh, 
if you want uh, to hear about all of the many um, Millhouse episodes of Kubernetes that we had to cut, uh, and there was a big handful, I think there was five or six, if I'm remembering right, yeah. that we we did not include in this. But uh, because Kubernetes is very important, um, and it is, it's, uh, it's now a foundational part of deploying any containerization. And uh, a lot of times uh, infrastructure is code as well because we can use it as logic and all kinds of, uh, it's, it's a very flexible solution for sure. And it is easy to deploy, but governance is something that has to be planned properly. Absolutely. It doesn't have to be hard, but it does take some thinking and some planning. Yeah. So yeah, check out the Azure Updates blog and tune in for our next podcast, uh, which is the book of news for Ignite. Ignite. Absolutely. It's yeah. going to be covered that. Absolutely. But one other thing that I like about this update, in this case of our security center, is now that you have the direct link to a policy from a recommendation detail page. So what does that mean? means that the recommendation comes uh, and you can create a policy directly from that recommendation. Uh, what does that mean? It's, for example, if you want to implement or there are a lack of, 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 of tags, for example, you can go there, click, click there, you click the policy specifically for that. Uh, for example, or if you want the restriction of something, the locks, for example, of resource groups uh, and everything after the creation, you create the lock of the resource to prevent accidental deletion or something like that, or changes, or or even uh, you don't want your uh, domain controller to be able someone to start and stop that domain controller, for example. This is the way that you can do it very easily. It's what I like about about that. Any particular of those topics that you want to mention in this case, Andrew? Actually, uh, the one that really stood out for me was clicking on the uh, recommendation to create the policy. Link. So yeah. not surprisingly, um, the uh, uh, the the ability to create a policy uh, using your example uh, of tags is really important uh, because uh, if we use tagging across our enterprise uh, in a uniform way, then we know who application owners are, we know what the requirements are, we can rebuild it using the exact same tags with less impact during the rebuild. Uh, and especially in Kubernetes, that's very important because the whole uh, kind of idea is that it's very portable and something happens in a container, we take it down and we redeploy. So we want things to be uh, really well configured so that uh, it's easy to access those tags, read the tags, edit the tags, all those things. But they have to be uniform to be useful. So policy is absolutely the best way to do that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Talking, continuing talking about Azure Security Center. Now the news, uh, two big news for the Security Center, uh, for the public review on February. Uh, in this case, uh, for February twenty twenty one, uh, it's the Defender for Endpoint integration with Azure Defender now supports Server twenty nineteen and Windows Virtual Desktop. That is in preview. Uh, that is that's massive. a big deal. That's a big deal. That's yeah. usually a, a big deal because now 
uh, using the Azure Security Center to, if you don't want to use Sentinel, for example, that is that is paid, although it's... Uh, it's pretty cheap. There's certain features that are free in Sentinel uh, as well, right? Uh, as, uh, I only know that the pay as you go is the only lowest tier that you have. Uh, because well, you even for in the my, yeah. So in my own tenant, uh, the reason I I kind of uh, bit back a bit on the, the there is some stuff that's free with Sentinel, is because in my own tenant, which is pay as you go, uh, because I am just one small guy, uh, that uh, 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 even though I'm running Sentinel, there's a lot of the connectors that are free, a lot of connectors like um, Azure and Office 365 integration yeah. is free. And the connectors are free, but really you pay for an injection of traffic for the logs that are coming. You do, yeah. uh, but it's it's quite. Uh, I want to say it's very affordable. It is. It is. Uh, it's not I, expensive at all. But it's. Yeah, we've we've both done some good rollouts with Sentinel, and uh, I would say for a mid-sized company of about uh, five hundred to one thousand people, like users. And an appropriate number of servers, I think uh, 320 servers in all, in the mid-tier case I'm thinking of, uh, it, it was very reasonable. I will ballpark and Canadian dollars and say that it was about $400 a month for cost. And that included the Power Apps integration for uh, some components with automation and running of playbooks and things. So we know when we run those playbooks, there's compute and there can be data access and things that are uh, triggered for cost. Uh, that's how Azure runs. And uh, the, I think $400 a month for an enterprise of that size is really, really reasonable. That is cheap in terms of data and compute cost. Um, and for my own tenant, I don't mind sharing. It's under 20 bucks a month for my own. And <laughs> yes. that's just a handful of people, mind you, and a couple of servers here and there. Uh, but I mean, really, if you're if you're a small business and you only have like 10 employees or something, Sentinel can still help. It can automate that threat response and at least tell somebody that something's happening. Because if you have 10 people and you're not an IT business, the odds of you having an IT person on staff are pretty low, right? Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I agree with. Anyways, I agree with you. my my sentinel speech is over. I apologize. That's okay. Everybody. That's okay. That's why we are here, my friend. The next next topic in this case is it's a kind of topic that we like that we already mentioned is the GA of the announcing the private Azure marketplace. So Azure marketplace have a thousand of industry leading apps and 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 vendors and people that they have their services there, uh, right? And be able to create your private Azure marketplace, it's tremendous because now at the tenant level, you can create your own services that they are only available on your tenant. That's right. That's a big deal for big enterprise. Absolutely. Uh, because it makes it way easier to restrict what your administrators are going to be able to have access to and deploy. But one of the cool things that I, I kind of like about this, because I think to the terms of like 
um, the, the private Windows store, right? And uh, when we do something like that, we're able to delegate uh, rights to people, to users. So we can, in this case, say uh, there's a, a product manager or an app manager. Uh, we can now make it so they can deploy certain things that are pre-approved in their own uh, enterprise marketplace. And I think that that's really cool. Uh, we don't even have to deep dive on it too much. Um, it's I, the possibilities are pretty wide open on this one. It, it's very exciting. It is. It is. It is very exciting about that, and and the way that you can even manage the licensing, the manage because you have a lot of those uh, vendors that you have uh, that you can manage your own license uh, and, and mm -hmm. doing custom building in this case solutions. We already talk about. Uh, sending your images to, to Azure. Uh, now you can put on the private marketplace. It's really key for, uh, for big organizations. Uh, I have to say that they are globally dispersed. They can have like a center uh, in one location. They're managing all of that. And, and they're going forward to just saying that, yes, we don't want you to deploy 2022 or, 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 or server 2019. If we don't uh, make that available, if it's not one of the supported OSs that we want, and that's the part that exactly. I see it right. And it's yeah, it's a really good complement with Azure policies, I think, and uh, using private marketplace with Azure policy together, um, it's going to be a very powerful solution, Absolutely. I think, for the large enterprise. Yeah, and and talking about powerful, what about Azure growing? Another region. That's right. Uh, I think it was another one. Another so this is China three, North China three, China North three. North three. Yeah. So another region in China uh, that they are doing um, in this case for uh, and with availability zones with everything. So means that it's more jobs in this case, more people, and another region that our good friends in China. Uh, I don't know if, if we have the reach to coming to, to that, the biggest country or the biggest population country in the world. I think we're, I think we're, I think our highly offensive content would make it through their um, special filtering that they use. <laughs> I hope so. And I hope that, that the captions that Azure have, not Azure, in this case, uh, Google have, uh, will make them easily to understand what we are saying. Uh, but that's okay. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, I love the uh, I love the closed captioning. I actually use that. Um, I know uh, you don't like to talk about cross podcasts, but I know that you do some other work as well, sometimes in Portuguese. Yeah. And uh, I do have to count on closed captioning because my <laughs> Portuguese is pretty bad. We can work on that. We can definitely work on that. We can make a. a, a... Uh, something that's a whole different kind of podcast oh, right there. <laughs> and now without further ado the highlight of the entire week okay i apologize for everyone but windows server 2022 is now in preview okay so you know why this was released in preview right because i finally bought my uh deep dive book on 2019 because I thought, hey, that's the end of my current contract. I'll just need a new textbook to read. So wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> so you're welcome. 
So, and this is to, I had a, quite a few of good friends saying that the Windows Server was dead. Okay. Uh, that why we have Windows Server if you're going serverless uh, and all of that and doing this and so on and so forth. It's not, my friends. It's not because one of the reasons is Windows is alive. And Windows well. is alive and well. We have a lot of servers on prem still, and it will take a lot of years to move everyone from on prem, like a lot of years to move everyone from on prem to 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 the cloud. And well, there's still some businesses that have requirements to keep data on prem only. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Right. So when we think about things, even like PLC controllers, industrial controllers, things like that, um, there's very high risk of putting that in cloud and low uh, return on investment in that case, because security has to be very, very high. So in those industrial applications or other legal requirements, um, on-prem is going to be around for a long time. Absolutely. And I think it was about uh, a year and a half or two years ago, Microsoft really did shift to a hybrid focus from a full cloud. So instead of, uh, I do remember there was a brief period where everybody was very excited that it was all cloud all the time uh, and hybrid was just a temporary state. Yeah. But now there's been a lot of acknowledgement that hybrid in many cases can be a permanent state. Absolutely. So uh, I'm excited about that because I am a hybrid guy. So. Uh, I think uh, I really look forward to this. And I heard there was some pretty cool stuff there are, in 2022. There are a few things that I want to cover. In this case, four aspects that I want to cover on Windows Server. One of them is the enhanced security that they have, or even on this. So now it's even tighter with a, a service that we love by nature, that the, is the, the Defender, okay? So the way that you have the Defender right now for Windows 10 was way more advanced than for Windows Server. I have to say that. Um, now it's, it's about the same. So the behavioral engine uh, that is massively, and I, I don't understand why not everyone is, is using that on their environment, but that's, that's a different conversation. That part, the part of, of be able to connect this to AI and to connect this to all the cloud services that you have right now to just lock down, especially for ransomware and for malware is tremendously. So that is the part of exactly. the layer. The other part. Yeah, the, the ability to isolate uh, as yes. well um, once you like as you part of that lockdown. I think that's really important to point out because Defender uh, has made massive advancements Completely. in the last couple of years. And uh, I, in my opinion, it is the top-rated product. I, I've seen a, a few different competing reviews, and it's definitely number yeah. one. Anyways, I don't want to take away no, from that's your okay. points. I've the other it. part is the containerization, as you can imagine. So containerization is going faster and faster and growing, growing, growing. Each time, the way that you can uh, increase the container, And it's not about Kubernetes, it's about the the containers, the dockers that you have available. Uh, the part of the storage that they work on this, uh, especially on the REFS, the way that is done, the way that is faster, 
more resilient and more reliable. It's out of out of this mind. Okay, what they did on that, and the fourth the fourth thing that is really important is I need to upgrade my certifications because it was 2019, and now I have another thing to do next next year or even this year is to upgrade my certification of Windows Server 2022. I've been I've been I have all certifications regarding Windows Server since NT4, and I already went with all the 2019. So I need new certifications because I have some good friends that they have more certifications than me and that's not acceptable. <laughs> I'm just kidding, my friends. I wasn't. I wasn't. <laughs> he was. I, I know. You you kept the straight face as well. So for all of our listeners, check out the YouTube. To keep the straight face. <laughs> but yeah, but that's that's the most yeah. Uh, I have a little bit of fun, of course, but it's it's a good it's a good thing that they they taught it. It is well, yeah. So the new certifications are going to allow everybody to uh, just kind of, as they say, level up, right? And uh, take all of our skills to that next level, modernize, and it lets us take that back out to our Absolutely. clients and to our organizations that we work with and allows them to take advantage of these new advancements. And that's important, especially when we talk about improvements in file systems, uh, you know, REFS, kind of the meshing of on-prem and cloud and everything, right? Um I can't wait to see, uh, as you know, I have a very big fondness for Azure files. Uh, it's been a mixed bag product, I think. Uh, people either love it or they really don't love it. Yeah. Uh, I do absolutely love it. So I can't wait to see how the integrations are improved uh, even more in 2022. Yeah. Absolutely. Now talking about uh, another public preview, announcing new capabilities for Azure AutoManage. This was one of the features that if you see the book of news of the previous uh, window, in this case uh, of the previous uh, Ignite, it was one of the features that they announced. Okay. This was announced on the last Ignite that it was curiously not announced on the keynote. And I think it was one of the biggest announcements that they did uh, in this case, on, on last Ignite. And right now, they're announcing new capabilities. So uh, Azure Auto Manage is the way that you can create a kind of a, a gold image of service, of Azure services, okay, that you can accumulate to your uh, um, VMs, okay, uh, in this case. So basically, what you need is you create like something like, say, Okay, every time that I want to deploy a VM, I want to add backup, I want to add monitor, I want to add Azure security, I want to add all of the services that I have on Azure available, okay? For example, and then what it does is, even if someone deploys a VM, okay, that is not with that services, this service going there, say, hey, you have two options, hey, it's not there, do you want to implement? And you click and say yes, and then we'll add, or you enforce it to implement on that part. So it's a kind of way that they have, I used to do this, but on a very, very different way, very code-based, 
with PowerShell Desire Set Configuration. Okay. Yeah. Now it's way more simple. I have to say, you put policies, you 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 put there and working. The good thing about this is the expansion this to Linux. Which is that amazing. is the biggest for me cross is the biggest cross-platform auto manage. Yes. Amazing. They did of course increase the the the, the Azure Auto Manage for Windows Server as you expected. That was the first, okay, to do it rebootless. That is even it's even bigger. So because a lot of those agents you need to deploy, I know a lot of those things you need to deploy inside of the of the VM. And now they are enabled this rebootless, so it means that you don't need to reboot in this case. So even if they deploy this in production, you can enable auto manage to manage in this case and it simplify. And like you manage, like you said on this podcast, on this show, it was like uh, if you are a single guy like we are, I have all of this for my servers because now I can auto manage, I can make sure that every single service is and they have the consistency about that. That's the part that I love about this system, right? Yeah, and that's the key, right? Is, you know, we've talked about a lot of different things, defender, security, we've talked about policy, and it's all about the consistency. So uh, I don't know, uh, do we have a do we have a theme this week yet? No. I don't think we've picked the theme. The theme is, is Ignite. Maybe the theme it's can Ignite be consistency. I think we are already on the fourth uh, subject so far. We already covered. Oh, well, that's true. Uh, yeah. I think this Ignite does uh, consume everything, everything uh, when yeah. it happens because it's absolutely massive. And you know, it never ceases to amaze me. And I know I say this uh, all the time about these kinds of things, but there's so many people that work for weeks, like weeks, to produce the content that we consume in just a few hours. And a few hours uh, is, I, an, is a very that, understatement. Uh, well, it is, it is right. So like it, if you think it takes us some time to do this podcast, we have prep and then we have preview, then we have the testing for audio video. And then we actually uh, joke about something probably inappropriate before <laughs> we start recording. <laughs> and we laugh a lot and yeah. get it get it out of our system hopefully sometimes maybe but there's a lot there's a lot to it and this is just one like wee little slice of a pie right uh like when we think about these events uh ignite of course is the microsoft it is like the event it's the thing and uh, i have to say uh i'm never disappointed and uh, this was no exception, but I think, you know, a big thank you is due to all of the people who uh, put all that effort in. I know a lot of the MVPs like yourself do a lot behind the scenes that we don't get to see right now because of the virtual event. So we don't get to see how hard everybody's working, answering questions in the in the live events, yeah. um, helping with prep, doing like doing all of the things. Uh, acting like, uh, what do they call that in the TV? The gopher? He just runs around doing everything that nobody else yeah. will do. That's that's what everybody's doing. And uh, I think it's really amazing because everybody just does it. So absolutely. thank you uh, if everybody else is listening. But, but let, and uh, for our... Absolutely. Let's leave that to the book of news. 
because that's we true, still have that's true, that's true. a, a awful amount of like three more. Right? Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. So. I hope so. <laughs> so the next topic is managed disks or disks. So zone redundant storage ZRS option for Azure managed disks is in limit preview. So this is very good news because for those regions that they have availability zones, okay, now we have redundant, redundant storage. So this is not the cheapest storage. The cheapest storage is LRS, it is local redundant. This is one, yep. one tier. And non-managed, non non -managed, redundant. Yeah. Yep. Now we're talking about a different tier, a tier up that is the zone. So is within the same region although we are replicating across different data centers. But this is for managed disks. So this is means that Microsoft is managing those disks. We are not managing those. And now, and now we yeah. can have, and in this case, ZRS for those disks. Correct, exactly. Yeah, so it's a, it's a big improvement. Um, is there region restrictions in uh, the preview for this? Now, of course, it is preview, so don't use this one in production. Limited preview. So, um, so if you want to have access, read the blog post, and there is an email there that you can find it. Yeah, yeah. Usually requires a limited preview, requ uh, requires either you sign up yeah. uh, or you create a support ticket and request it, sometimes yeah. both. Uh, and you have to be approved uh, by the powers of Azure and uh, then be able to use that yeah. feature. So uh, zone redundant storage is a big step forward for managed disk. That's it awesome, uh, really awesome. And as a second, in this case, update for managed disk, this is really big. I think it's, it's way more important than the first one as well. That is the change of the performance tier for premium SSDs without downtime. Yeah, no downtime when you upgrade now. So it uh, used to be that it would have uh, a minimum of like, uh, you know, whatever, two to 30 seconds or something no. while it reprovisions. It was not that the problem. You longer. need to shut down the VM in this case to, to change, change it. it. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you can script it. But you still need to shut down the VM. Yeah, yeah you do. In this case, yeah. you don't but, need it anymore. Uh, you know, you can. That's right. Yeah, you can do it live. Yeah. So you can go there. So this is really interesting because the part that I like about this is usually I advise my all my customers to start with the standard SSD, okay? Because it's cheaper. And if you are not mm -hmm. achieving the performance that you want to achieve, right? Uh, and doing then you can have the 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 upgrade to go to the premium SSD. And usually what I, what I was saying is yes, it is is like changing in this case, the size of the VM that you need just a reboot. So you can do that on the maintenance of that when you're doing an update or when you're doing all of that, just a matter of synchronizing. Instead of doing a restart, you're doing a shutdown, change the disk and, re and reboot it. Uh, in this case, and start again the VM. Uh, that is, that is the, was the option. But a lot of those things, uh, in this case, that don't require any more downtime. So you can do it live. So even if you have, for example, a SQL that is using, for example, standard SSD. So now without no downtime, you're going to that disk. 
okay and um, and you can enable to the premium tier to the premium SST without downtime so you don't need to reboot it it's pretty cool and now it can be effective exactly although no reboot although reason. I didn't see it okay this but uh, I don't think it's it's applicable okay I have to be honest I didn't see truly this to applicable to OS disks correct uh, I have not tested yeah. this one yet. I'm actually going to be testing this one um, probably this weekend, okay. I think. Yeah, because uh, it's a big feature. Yeah. And it's going to, I like I was saying, I do have a couple of scripts um, that I would use to upgrade disks uh, because I'm lazy and I don't like to do things. <laughs> the third time, it gets scripted, right? So once, twice, that's fine. I don't mind clicking a few times, but the third time, it's time to script yeah. it now. So... Uh, I'm looking forward to yeah. this. So I'm going to test it and see, uh, do I just remove the reboot? Does it apply to the OS disk or is it only for data yeah. disks? Um, so uh, I'm going to admit uh, for our viewers and everybody here that uh, I cannot zoom in enough on the screen to read the full details. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. Uh, you can always go to the blog. And if you want to have access to this, although it's a public preview, you need to sign up. Okay. Just, just kind of a, a disclaimer for for everyone that is uh, uh, seeing and listen. In this case, it's it's just for you to know uh, that you need to go to the Azure blog to sign up for this preview. Changing Absolutely. topics now, talking about VMware. Okay, talking about AVS, the Azure VMware solution. We have a quite a few uh, in this case uh, updates regarding the AVS. So first of all, now we have the GA for assessment for migration to AVS. So what does that mean? Means that this is kind of a strange if you are listening this saying, but how come now I have an assessment to migrate what I have on-prem, right? To that is VMware to a VMware solution that is on Azure. Should not be the same? Correct. It should be the same, but it's different because you might be uh, with different applications. You might be with the risk of re-architecting those applications, retooling those. Uh, the version that you have might be different. The version that Microsoft will have on AVS, right? Did I miss anything, Andrew? Uh, yes, disk types, right? Like um, uh, in the re-architecting of uh, apps, like we always think of, uh, especially in VMware world, there's a lot of Oracle yeah. use, right? So we think of like the RDM disks um, that can't be used in uh, AVS and the VMware solution for Azure. Uh, but there are other ways to mitigate those risks. So, uh, you know, feel free to engage us or Microsoft or whoever you like and uh, ask those questions. Uh, and I will say this, um, Azure Migrate is actually a really good tool um, to help assess can uh, AVS hold this yeah. load, right? So if you have uh, different requirements, it, it, like they build in so much logic um, behind the scenes uh, to help present a really good reporting interface yeah. for Azure Migrate. Uh, but of course, as you know, I am slightly partial to uh, liking Azure Migrate. So. <laughs> Just slightly, right? <laughs> That's okay. 
Another update that they have for the AVS, the Azure VMware solution, is the GA of the new Simplify NXX networking experience uh, for the AVS in this case. So I've actually used this this week already. And uh, I will say this is for non-NSXT people. This is for non-VMware network uh, professionals. So really, for me, um, <laughs> I did both uh, NSX. Well, I'm not. I'm not a networking expert by any stretch. Um, I can I can get by, but um, in Azure we get used to the experience with blades. Yeah. Right. And we get used to uh, some things happening behind the scenes. We get sometimes a simplified interface and we have an option for an advanced interface. So in this case, they're now creating these blades. Uh, AVS is a relatively new solution. AVS 2.0 is a relatively new solution. The old one was AVS with Store Simple. Um, that is a thing of the past. It's no longer applicable for us. So in AVS 2.0, um, if you need to create detailed rules uh, like security profiles for segments and things like that, which I was uh, getting my fingers into this week, I, I do actually recommend going into the NSXT interface and uh, using it inside your vCenter, uh, in this case in the NSX manager. But uh, if you just need to create some basics and you are looking to uh, kind of keep everything in the Azure portal with the Blade experience, it's really, really cool because you can actually do that now. That's, that's really, really good uh, that I have, I have to say. Uh, another update regarding that part is the part that now um, on GA, we can plan the migration of VMware solution using the Azure Migrate, like you mentioned. Uh, I was trying to pull that, but we went too quickly on that subject. So now you can use the Azure Migrate besides to uh, plan your uh, workloads from VMware to Azure, uh, SQL assessments and databases and, and, and apps and, and, and everything else. Now it becomes available for your VMware solution in this case to migrate to uh, uh AVS, the Azure VMware solution, right? So pretty cool that they yeah. are updating that as well. Yeah, and it's important to use the Azure Migrate tool to help you plan and understand. Uh, and I have to think what is and isn't under uh, NDA, so you might have to hit the edit button here if I'm guessing wrong. Now, there are different rules for the number of clusters and the number of nodes per cluster in AVS than there is for uh, what you're used to with VMware on-prem. So it's important to use a tool uh, like Azure Migrate that actually knows uh, how to play by all of those uh, different limitation rules that might be different than what you're used to as a VMware expert for your on-premises. Uh, so. Do take advantage of the uh, Microsoft tooling in this case, because Azure Migrate can really save you a lot of heartache and it makes it work uh, a lot easier. So you can tell the boss, uh, yeah, I spent all Friday afternoon working on this beautiful Excel spreadsheet report for you. And of course we know in Azure Migrate, it's just a few minutes to do that <laughs> export and then we can go and grab a beer. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Uh, the last update regarding the Azure VMware solution that you want to bring uh, 
that is GA is now is available on Southeast Asia region. So um, yeah, uh, that's the part that uh, on Ignite uh, that since they they announced this uh, AVS in two thousand and twenty. Uh, an ignite um so uh yeah last year uh since they announced this uh us east west 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 europe and australia and now uh this makes available in japan east uk south canada central okay my good friends north us north europe regions are now have made that cut of having afs a VS, not AVS, AVS available in this case as well. It's pretty cool. Absolutely. Yeah, it's expanding very rapidly. And um, it's actually kind of cool because uh, AVS is a bare metal solution, yeah. right? So it's a little bit different. Uh, it's a separate uh, private data center. So uh, if you're interested in it, uh, you know, uh, I definitely encourage you. Uh, check out the Microsoft docu uh, Microsoft Docs documentation. Oh my gosh, on that one, and read up on it. But also brush up on your knowledge of uh, software-defined data centers and private data centers in the scope of what does that mean with Azure. Uh, that could be a whole uh, one-hour chat, I think, on its own, just on that one topic. Uh, so I'm going to steer clear of that one. What do we have coming up next? It's one of the big announcements. Public preview on Azure, Azure route, route server. Uh, should we say route or root in this case? Uh, I think it's route, uh, but I think uh, uh, probably 50% of people will probably disagree. It's a potato-potato problem, <laughs> I think. I think it's route <laughs> in Canada and root in, 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 in US, right? Something like that, whatever it is. Uh, it, could, it can be, yes. Although yeah. I have to say... One thing is, if you're looking at, at the at the blog, okay, talking about this, and we'll cover what it is, okay, uh, and you're going to the docs uh, page, that is a link there to go into the docs, uh, Microsoft docs about this, what is Azure root server, that is on the very big uh, blue box saying important. And I now I'm going to read it. Uh, from the, the from there saying probably already uh, uh, listened to this on this podcast if you are new uh, you didn't uh, or, or you did already but is Azure Route Server Preview is current in public preview the, pre the preview version is provided without a service level agreement and it's not recommended for production workloads Certain features might not be supported or might have constraints capabilities. Do I need to say anything more in this case, my good friends? Uh, I don't think I have. Well, I think it, I think, no, I think that covers it, but uh, let's say it really simple because. And especially um, this using one. Using a route server. Especially this one. Yeah. With uh, using a route server, we're talking about redirecting your traffic within Azure forcing routes, changing traffic paths. Uh, we're not even talking about like UDRs in this case. We're really just talking like the whole route tables, Completely. right? So don't use this in your production environment or networks, folks. Uh, bad things may happen because it's being tested as yeah. we speak. Uh, please 
be one of the testers, help everybody to produce a better product, but don't test it in prod, test it in your test Absolutely. environment. So, so, yeah, I think it's always worth saying twice on this one because this one, uh, although we, you know, we start this off with a little bit of a tone of caution, this is freaking cool, right? This is a lot of what we've been waiting for when it comes to like the VWAN experience. And I know uh, I've been working uh, even just this past week, I uh, was supporting a client through some VWAN implementation, I uh, want to say growing pains and uh, things like route filtering. Uh, are we allowed yeah. to say that in this yeah. case? So um, route filtering is something that's been missing a little bit let me just VLAN interrupt experience. one thing to go a little bit back because we jump in this case to read this important that I was that I was seeing on that is for our uh, listeners and in this case for you what is the Azure route server I think it's let's go on that path because it's a new service okay it's preview it's a new service and what is the route server and then we're going to that path to just probably it's better to understand what it is and then we can go to those those features we're talking about, right? I agree. I think that's a, I think that's a really uh, good point. The route server, it's a way that you can simplify your dynamic routing between your network and your uh, VNets, okay? So this route server, first of all, it's an appliance. It's a NVA, a network virtual appliance, okay? So like you have other networks, virtual appliance, that you have available on Azure Marketplace, Cisco's, Palo Alto's, FortiGate's, whatever you want to, to mention. This is a new service of available. What it does, like Andrew mentioned, is doing the SD1, okay, from what is inside of Azure, what you have on your private network, so connected by VPNs, express routes, whatever it is, through BGP, to route every traffic, for example, to the internet, okay? So you are able through BGP to announce all of the routing tables that you have on Azure to, to in this case, to your private cloud or to your private network, the SD1, and in this case, to make sure that they know what, where it is what and what is the, 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 the traffic and the routes that you need to go from your source to the destination. We see a lot of organizations, especially on this pandemic, that they are shifting a little bit that part uh, and now going on, on the part that you are talking about, the route filtering and everything else, that they are adding a lot of those locations and offices into Azure and making sure that, for example, the entering point of the intranet and the entry and the, and the uh, entry and the outside point of the internet is through Azure, is controlled by Azure, um, for example. Exactly. Uh, and I see a lot of organizations going on that path, a setting of having firewalls on-prem and having all of that. It's way easier to deploy a virtual appliance. Uh, you don't need to buy any, any anymore. Even if you want to upgrade the appliance, it just basically, again, another reboot and you upgrade that and now you have more capabilities. Exactly. So there is a lot of that. And I, th I, and I think on that point, though, it's important to mention as part of that, that you just deploy an NVA 
as uh, part of your firewalling strategy in Azure. But there's a lot of flexibility with vendor images for NDAs, exactly. right? So you can use whatever vendor uh, for the most part. There's a lot supported. We're really about that. There's a lot of big players in that space, obviously. So um, uh, I just wanted to I just wanted to say that because uh, when I think uh, security professionals hear about deploying into Azure, they think, oh man, now we have to train a whole bunch of people on new skill sets and uh, different you know different command line nuances between the brands. Uh, but that's not always the case. In many cases, they can stick with the same technology that they're used to, that they're already trained and certified on, and extend that out into um, 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 Azure in this case, right? Absolutely, absolutely. I think it's really important. But going to the point of that you mentioned the, the, the route filtering, uh, it's, it's important to have this, right? Absolutely, yeah. So route filtering has been... Part of the solution uh, that uh, many organizations have been waiting to see coming in. Uh, so I'm really excited about it. Clearly, I kind of jumped the gun. I got excited as usual. But um, <laughs> it's par for the course if you're a regular listener. <laughs> so uh, one of the, like, what that really means, though, is that let's say uh, you have BGP broadcasting from uh, three different data centers and they're all connected through express route or VPN, like you were saying, to Azure. What is uh, going to happen if you have any networks crossing over IP address ranges uh, is that uh, now you're going to have confusion on the BGP routes. So traffic can go in unexpected patterns. It can go through unexpected ingress or egress routes. And really the key word here is routes. So that route, we can now utilize Azure Route Server to help us control uh, what I've learned is called route leakage uh, across the different uh, paths that connect the kind of the hub and spoke. If you think of Azure as the, the hub typically, and then the different uh, data centers coming in are the spokes on the wheel. And uh, in the center, if we can control those routes and filter those routes, we can prevent problems uh, from going from one spoke to another or having traffic that does have uh, a shared network address for whatever reason, uh, it does happen in the real world quite a bit. So we, ha we haven't had a way until this to control that. So uh, I absolutely am gonna be testing this one out this weekend and next week. Um, I actually have a client uh, who's going to really uh, be uh, happy to hear that this is coming out uh, in preview and that uh, we can get this starting to be tested. I'm, I'm very excited about this one. Absolutely, as, as we can see. But moving to, to, to the next one, and, and I apologize. What have, what have you done to my head? I, 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 <laughs> I didn't do nothing. I think it's the Ooh, connection. It's oh, now I'm, I'm, oh my God. Now I'm touching all of this. You know what though? I was actually uh, doing a recording uh, last weekend in um, OBS, uh, which is the software commonly used to do these kinds of recordings, right? Um, and <laughs> It's a funny one to I see had... it. If, if you want to see it this, you have to go in this case to to 
Oh, I'm trying to fix it to the YouTube, YouTube to see me doing all of this live. Wishing in his head, moving him around, and uh, just generally having a little bit of fun, I think, at my head's expense. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's just to see you guys that we are that we are truly um, live. Amateurs. It's almost terrible. I don't want to go on that path, but that's okay. Let's talk about well, video editors for amateurs. That's uh, that's for very much for yeah, sure. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> uh, if you see this, it's because we didn't cut it. Uh, but that, let's move on. Multiple uh, <laughs> yeah. new fixtures on Azure VPN Gateway in public preview. Um, this is... Very much a complimentary update here, I believe. It, yeah. it is a complimentary update on what we're talking about. Uh, now it's on Azure VPN. So multiple authentication types for the point-to-site VPN that is available right now in this case because of the pandemic. Um, there is a lot of point-to-site VPN, especially for those organizations that they don't have any more offices or they want to try to move away from the offices and they want to leverage Azure as a central a central location for all of those um, individuals that are working from home and they want to maintain some kind of security. Uh, BBGP diagnostics, which is good. But uh, the part that I like about this is the part of capture, uh, the package capture through the Azure portal. Uh, oh, that's excellent. That is 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 available now. It's still in preview. Okay, I have to say, and the part that you can even VPN connection management to able to doing a lot of more uh, manage is still in preview, but is coming away. This service is free, by the way. Okay, this is a free service that we have. It was free a few. Uh, we talked about this a few episodes ago. Uh, that it becomes one of the free services that we have. So if you, even if you are seeing this and you want to experiment, um, in this case, the, the, the cloud, or in this case, Azure, uh, this is one of the services you can connect your house to Azure for free. Uh, it's, it's really cool. It was not free, but in this case, it's, it's, it's free without any they've, problem they've made it free recently through uh throughout the pandemic yeah. to really encourage businesses to have better security and enable uh different organizations to use the vpn gateway to empower people yeah. to work from Absolutely. home um again just really speaking to how microsoft actually does support um all of the things that they talk about this is uh what's the phrase i'm trying to think of Put, put your money where your mouth exactly. is, I think is I think what they that, say. That right? And Microsoft yeah. has. Another cool update is the on-demand capacity reservation in public preview. So this has been one of the uh, Achilles, in this case, for a lot of organizations. Uh, especially when you're talking about compute capacity and especially since the pandemic. I remember mm. because we are an MCT, so a Microsoft Certified Trainer, that for a, for a quite a period of time, we were not able to provisioning what's called the Azure Passes, that basically is some kind of um, free usage, okay? They even cancel, if I, if I remember correctly, or they suspended, not cancel, suspended, 
the new subscriptions to be created with the free money because they didn't have the capacity for all the services that were ramping up for the enterprise. Yeah. In this and case, one of the one of the things I was surprised with uh, in that regard was that they took labs like the live labs in Azure out of exams last year for a yeah. small period of time. Yeah, absolutely. That was that was surprising. Like all, all those restrictions. So, what does this do to address those kinds of challenges? Now, now you are you can make some reservations. Okay. So it's nothing to do with the reserve instances, but it's more like uh, it can be combined with the reserve instances, but you are kind of saying that you have the ability to access the compute capacity under those SLAs to guarantee you ahead that you are using. Although you don't need to commit because the reserve instance, right? you need to commit at least one year to up to three. You have a better price, is your best way to do it long term. But in this case, the on-demand capacity, so if you are using, uh, uh, for example, and, and I see this a lot on those big projects like the SAP projects, it's really valuable because you are doing this on, on, on tests and you want to deploy this in this case in the next few months. And now you can have that ahead say, hey, Mr. Microsoft or, or Azure, I will request this uh, in a few months. Uh, I just want to make sure that I have the capacity to do that. Okay, basically it's, it's, it's kind of that they are announcing, which is really good. Although it's in preview, right? And go- Exactly. And goes along with the next update, that is they are improving the Azure Sport virtual machines runtime and simulate evictions for the new features in the public preview. So this is one That's of the- That's a big deal. It's a big deal because this Azure Sport virtual machines is one of the services that very few know. The people that know it, they are kind of uh, geeks like us. I'm using this a lot, especially for testing, because this mm -hmm. is where you can have the compute for a way less price. Okay. Exactly. So, so let's start with the basics. So Absolutely. we're talking about evictions, uh, simulating it, uh, simulating evictions and uh, Azure Spot VMs. So what is an Azure Spot VM? What makes it different and why would it be evicted? So what makes it different is um, these Azure Spot VMs is every single region you have extra capacity, right? Instead of, of Azure just being there, we're not using that capacity, that compute that, that is just staying there. What they are doing is they are offering that, that compute with a deep discounts, okay? Although uh, you don't have the preference. The part of eviction is if they require that capacity, they will remove from you, okay, that capacity and they will trigger to a, what is a default price, okay? So this is... Well, you can configure that though, right? Like that's configurable. So you can default to the regular consumer pricing for your VM. Theoretically, or... no. 
Uh, there's there are some options. Uh, um, it's not what yeah there are some options that you can do it that you can increase the price, but theoretically yeah. you cannot go to the price of the regular one. Well, no, it just means somebody else's spot instance really is going to be evicted before yours. But so let's that is so let's one that, that is one of is the of eviction. the things. Yes, yeah. So the the eviction is when it comes the time, okay, that that capacity that you are using at discount price, there are people that they are or they are uh, uh, subscriptions or organizations uh, that they they bid bigger money than you for that. That's one of the things. So you cannot reach the normal price because then everyone's going to use this, right? And if they are starting to use, 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 they become the regular price that they are consuming that, right? It's not on the purpose of that. The purpose is to use the what is the leftovers, let's call it this way, uh, of that capacity for this. Of course, that you can well, have really a, bigger, a bigger price than what is the starting price of these discounts. So for example, if a machine costs a hundred bucks per month, okay, and you can buy this by 25 bucks a month, the same virtual machine. If someone puts 26 bucks per month that they want to go grow in this case to pay for that machine, if you are saying that you are only paying 25 bucks a month, you will be evicted of your, of that, in this case, of that compute and the purse that will stay is at 26 bucks, uh, it will continue to have that compute. So if requires, they will claim that compute from you, okay? And then there is the eviction. Although there are different ways that you can consume this. You can delete, if that eviction comes, you can delete completely the VM and you delete everything and you lost everything, right? Or you can basically shut down. So you are still having those disks available. Then if you want, you can create another VM, like a full price VM, and then you can attach those disks if you want. Those are the two options so on, on the on eviction. There's two questions that I want to make sure we include for everybody, uh, kind of on the end of this. One, what is the recommended usage for an Azure spot? And that is for batch operations or automation operations. Or testing. And Azure, testing right? something that you want to do it uh, on the very, for example, the expensive VM that you want to test it, uh, but you need to be careful with all of those things that we talk about, those restrictions. It's not restrictions. It's uh, conditions. It's conditions of using that exactly, service, really. Exactly. You need to be aware so, of that. Yeah, and the second one that I want to make sure we include is when you're evicted, when your VM is evicted, not you, we want to keep you, Marcos. Uh, when your VM is evicted, how much notice do you get? Because this is the one that I think catches people off guard. It's like seven seconds, right? <laughs> it's like, hey, we been evicted. Yeah, exactly. So... Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure I, I would have to reference the, the doc. Uh, I do yeah. have a walkthrough for it on my site, but I think it's like seven or eight seconds. It's like really crazy. So this is made for non-critical workloads. Absolutely. You don't put something that other people are using. You do this as an operational thing. 
something that you're deploying this infrastructure through code so that you can also receive the eviction notification and uh, do whatever decision process you need to do, increase your bid, shut down, let it delete, like whatever it is you want to do with it, right? So some are configured uh, when you put in your, your opening bid to fire up the spot instance and other ones you can kind of work with. And I know they keep, uh, as always, they keep advancing the product. So uh, it's probably changed slightly since like six weeks or eight weeks ago when I used it. <laughs> but that's one of the fun things about uh, what we do too, is it's always growing. So in this case, um, with uh, Azure Spot, uh, it's a really, really cool feature, but it's so much cheaper. So uh, in the case of like Marcos and I, where we use a, a testing tenant, we can really lower our costs and get way more bang for our buck when we just need to, uh, for example, uh, create like a small enterprise worth of servers to do some testing in Active Directory or something. Yeah. So we're creating like 30 servers and uh, provisioning all kinds of services in them and stuff like that. We do that through automation for the most part. And uh, we can use Azure Spot instances to really be able to stretch that testing dollar a lot further but we would not use Azure Spot to deploy an actual Active Directory enterprise. Of course. Because, oh my gosh, can you imagine uh, an AD, uh, like a domain server going down and just being deleted? <laughs> oh my God. So at the beginning of this podcast, we were talking about backups. This would be a good opportunity for you to test your restore <laughs> capability. <laughs> Man, I, I, yeah, I, I have Sorry. nothing to say about that. I had, I, think, to, I had to wind up. Yeah, completely, completely. I think it's it's going to the to the next update. It is one of the things that I like about this is is the VM guest patching, automatic. Sorry, VM guest patching is now in public preview for Linux VMs. So, and this wow. is the part that I like about this is. Um, the last update related to this was the updating VM guests for Windows was in the last Ignite. So within six mm. months, okay, they coming from that, that was Windows. And now in six months, basically on the next Ignite, they announced that now it's available for Linux as well. It's huge because now you can maintain, if you want, your guest patching for your Linux virtual machines um, automatically during your uh, off-peak hours, of course, right? Yeah, it's all configurable um, yeah, with the course. automatic uh, update services. And one of the things I really like about how they do this is when your VM is provisioned in Azure IaaS, Linux or Windows now, um, you when you add that automatic updates service, it just adds like a service pairing into your, uh, like it inserts a service into your virtual machine and you do the configuration. And this is one of those cases where it is set it and forget it. It's, it's really, really cool. And it makes it so easy to do up to, I remember when we had to go through so many hoops, testing the patches and then uh, 
you know, making these big plans using all these third party products to try and bridge these gaps. And now everything is coming together really, really nicely inside Azure Native. Absolutely. Absolutely cool. Yeah. And we leave to the last but not the least. For me, one of the things that I was looking for for a long time. Uh, Azure Trust launch for virtual machines now in public preview. So what does that mean? Means that for a long time, like so many years, we had two generations on Hyper-V. Generation one, that was BIOS related. So it's coming from since the beginning of Hyper-V. So 2008, 2008 R2. And then 2012, they launched what's called the generation two of the VMs. That was more a new API, in this case, kind of setting when you have virtual TPMs later on, of course, on, on, on the version two GM VMs in this case, but you had UFEI, you have security boot, you have all of that, okay? For a long period of time, as you can imagine, uh, and they say, but why didn't Microsoft launch this? There is a lot of, a lot of uh, compatibility, uh, compatibility, sorry, uh, that needs to be added to doing this. But for the first time on Azure, and this is coming with all the things that we're talking about, about the Intel uh, secure and the Intel confident, uh, conf uh, uh, not confident, it was the confidential, confidential computing. computing, thank you. The SGX, in this case, platform. And now we have what's called, what's available on Azure that we had on-prem, the virtual TPM. And this yeah. is good because this is right on the part that I love about Hyper-V is Hyper-V when they announced this, VMware didn't have it because you could have BitLocker on Hyper-V, you had encryption as well, but protecting that VM, okay, to a that specific host was when the, this was launched on Windows Server, uh, it was only launched for uh, Hyper-V. Okay, and VMware didn't have at that time, uh, for example. Now, of course, that uh, by catching the uh, by playing the catching game, now they uh, I'm sure I'm not VMware expert anymore. I used to be uh, in this case, but uh, they they I'm sure that almost catching these. If they are not, they are missing a lot in uh, this case. But now it's available to Azure, so means that we are protecting my our VMs, okay, for boot kits, root kits, and kernel level malware. So we are increasing even more our security on Azure. And again, this is only for generation two VMs. So when you're creating your VM, okay, um, you need to select generation two uh, VM for able to having this this is in public preview okay still but you need to do this okay right and that's the part that i like about about all of that security part of it so it protects although i have to say that this has a complexity in the part of troubleshooting okay that does it's you need to really be aware of what you are doing regarding if you enable this Azure Trust launch. 
but you are way more secure for those types of advanced workloads and secure because now nothing can happen, right? Well, really, I, I, I think, you know, I think we would encourage people to go and read um, the Microsoft docs on virtual TPM yeah. for Hyper-V to really understand what this is enabling. And uh, big reminder, TPM mixed with public preview is bad news for uh, production workloads. Absolutely. So, uh, TPM, you know, we, you know, Marcos did a very good job. You like you highlighted um, a lot of the things we need to pay attention to, and uh, I just I think that we just made uh, make sure we caution people that this one is still preview um, because. With TPM, it's a little. Uh, what's the word I want to use? Temperamental. No, um, and, and it's so there is a lot of restrictions. So first of all, there is. If you want to back up this virtual machine, you can't. Starts with that, okay. Even if you want to use ephemeral disks, you can't. If you want to use shared disks, you can't. If you want to use manage an image, you can't. If even if you want to deploy this on Azure Decade host, you can't. Besides that, that I already almost take even ASR, you cannot do it on this virtual <laughs> machine. Okay, yeah. just to give you just to give you an idea. And then there's a few limitations there. A few only, and then is the limitation of just the a, region. Just a few. It's just <laughs> South Central US and North Europe, and then there is the limitation of what is supported on OSs and the sizes, in this case, the virtual machines, the virtual machines. So HB V3, forget it. M series V2, forget it. M series, forget it. N series, forget it. So all of those so big, just the smaller, yeah, just the small, smaller ones. Okay. But again, you need to be very conscious about this. That's why it's in public preview. Um, and I and I had to pull out the 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 document that you that you mentioned um, to do that just to give an idea why you should not use this in public preview, okay? Because again, in, it's for in testing production. in production. Sorry, yes, correct in production. It's just to gain insight and confidence on your entire boot chain integrity. This is the main goal of Azure Trust launch. She's just to be reliable on this. Again, I remember when this becomes to, to, to Hyper-V, it was a nightmare to troubleshoot this. It was a nightmare to uh, make sure that you are changing the secure build of this. Because this creating a virtual TPM, it's basically going on the TPM of, of the server. And if I remember correctly, you need TPM 2.0, it's not the TPN yeah. 1.2 in this case at that time to enable this feature in, in Hyper-V, if I remember correctly. And not all the all the servers have that. First of all, the physical servers to have that. Well, it was a hardware level. It actually. was a yeah. hardware level. Uh, it was a different VP uh, TPM module that you had to just enable this. But this guy, he was the responsible for what we have right now on the uh, on the uh, device guard and uh, what is the other one that we have on Windows 10? Credential guard. Credential guard. 
This is the responsible for having those services, just to see how important it is. Exactly. Yeah, it, it's a very critical piece. Yeah, it is. And I'm really happy as you seeing passion like 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 um, Andrew is in some subjects because this subject <laughs> is dear to my heart. It's my Hyper-V. Uh, well, Hyper-V and TPM are very intertwined oh my because Hyper-V is so security driven, right? Yeah. So uh, it's it's fascinating. Yeah, there, there's a lot of tie-ins, but uh, I know I have over the years appreciated your depth of knowledge in Hyper-V <laughs> and used uh, used your expertise more than once in that area. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was. And the reason why is I was one of the 72 Hyper-V MVPs in the world. So that's why we are a very niche group that we have very deep uh, knowledge and, and love about that. And it's the base of Azure. Uh, is Hyper-V. And it's not going anywhere. It's not going uh, anywhere. Windows Server alive and well oh, still. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. So we come... What a what a big week. Absolutely. We come to the end of this episode. So if you are seeing this, I have to say congratulations because you just beat the record of this show. Out of any other podcast that we ever been, it's been the record for a long we had about 20 something almost close to 30 updates uh, out of mm. 92 so or something like that or was close to that it's crazy it was yeah crazy. the book of ignite one we're gonna have to like bring some gatorade or uh, something book of news it's a different thing because we are talking about our experience and what we like about what we learn and all of that but i highly recommend going to see the the book of news but if you don't, thank you uh, for watching. Thank you for your support. If I might ask, don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to give us some love. Uh, we are here in, 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 in our uh, night again. We are not shooting this on, in the morning or in, during the light, daylight, but we still have our jokes and fun. Um, and I want to thank you, Andrew, for the amazing work that you are doing and and um, all of the love that we have on this podcast, uh, right? Well, thank you so much for having me. It's uh, as we always say each week. It really is the highlight Absolutely. of my week, and I really look forward to this because, uh, well, it's just good times it and is. it's good fun. So, it thank is. you so much, everybody, for watching and listening. And uh, yes, give a like and a thumbs up. Let us know what you think in the comments. And uh, thank you for joining Absolutely. us. Absolutely. So, thank you. And I hope I can see you next week.